Welcome to A Curious Yogi Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby, here to illuminate your practice as we discover what it means to walk the yogi's path. Together with wise friends and awakening teachers, we uncover the answers to our greatest questions. I'm so delighted you're here. Now let's get curious. Uh, right, curious yogis, I am back with a solo episode, which I can't believe I'm this far into season two and I haven't done a solo episode yet. To be honest, I've just really been loving all the guests that have been coming my way and there's so much to talk about and discuss and I just love having the group or rather interviews. So I haven't actually made the time to create a solo episode, but here I am. And I wanted to share this episode, five non-yoga habits that skyrocketed my practice. Uh, I wanted to share it because I have been traveling like crazy this year. I'm currently in Sweden, actually. And I've been reflecting on the benefits that the yoga has brought my life. And also, on the flip side of that coin the lifestyle habits that I've embraced in the last while, maybe five or six years, that have actually made it easier for me to practice yoga daily. Because if you haven't noticed yet, my passion is to share the power in sadhana. Sadhana, for those of you that don't know, is a regular daily spiritual practice so that doesn't just mean yoga primarily means meditation contemplative practice and i've been wondering why is it difficult for people to cultivate even just a few minutes a day and then when i looked at my own life and the lives of you know a lot of the guests that have been on the show it's really clear to me that the way that we choose to live our lives affects our yoga practice and our yoga practice affects the way that we live our lives. So I know that you the listener you want to remain connected to that innate divine sense of self and function efficiently in the world as your wonderful human person that you are. Yeah and you know I am gonna say that by now my priority and my advice is to start putting your attention on building a daily practice. You know, it's not woo-woo nonsense, the power of meditation, science now is showing the incredible benefits to our mental and physical health by having a meditation practice, a yoga practice. So just to give a little context of me and my story, I don't get to share so much about my own life on the podcast as, you know, we're diving into so many wonderful people's story and lives, but I'm not only into yoga, I am into health and wellness as it supports my physical and psychological health. FYI, I've got scoliosis and ADHD. So if I think about the benefits of a practice like yoga, which is so good for the physical body, and the meditation, which is so good for the mental body, I can really see this benefit of having this conversation today. 
In the ancient yoga scriptures, the yogi goes into the mountain cave and they attain enlightenment. But that is not how we are living now. The modern day yogi goes into the world and makes a positive impact. But how do we get into the world with that sense of resilience, that inner calm, the eye of the storm? That is through the yoga practice and having those lifestyle non-yoga habits that support that. So as we think about this, I really want you to consider you're taking care of yourself and connecting with your source as not two separate things. They are complementary, if not interdependent. It's like asking yourself what came first, the chicken or the egg, if we could veganize that. You know, is it the early morning realizations and meditation or was it getting to bed before 10? Okay, but actually if you go to, you must go to bed early to wake up early. But then if you wake up early, you receive the benefits of your meditation practice, the next, in the evening, you'll be inspired to go to bed early once again. Am I taking care of my spine by practicing yogasana or is practicing yogasana taking care of my spine. You know, we can really look at this. Am I meditating to calm my anxiety or is my calm mind inspiring me to meditate? Everything in our lives is interconnected and relational. If you don't get that, you will struggle. And I am speaking from experience because I have struggled resisting the interconnectedness and relational aspects of all of our lives and moving your life towards thriving is a process it's a journey and here comes the cliche it's also the destination so learning these habits building the yoga practice it doesn't happen overnight the transformation isn't just a spark unless you're on the path to be realized in this lifetime which I hope and pray you are, I hope and pray I am, but chances are that you and I won't. So we have to really enjoy the journey. I didn't set out trying to improve my life with yoga sadhana, but I have realized the tangible results and how much power there is in subtlety. Think about subtlety in your life. The world is so unbelievable right now polarized, divided, hurting. And if you're anything like me, you're sensitive to the world around you and find it difficult to be easy, which is why we can find so much benefit in adopting healthy lifestyle habits along with the yoga practice or vice versa, adopting a yoga practice along with some lifestyle habits. So whether you adopt some or all healthy habits or a small amount of daily yoga, you will reap benefits on all sides, all aspects of your life. So I'm going to lay these out. It's just five. I've probably missed some that I practice and you probably have some that you could share with me. So before I dive into these five non-yoga habits that have skyrocketed my yoga practice, I want to share with you an upcoming 10-week session that I have created for this exact reason to help support our daily practice. And I'll touch on one of these points in the, in, uh, the five, 
lifestyle habits. Um, the meetup is, I'm calling it a meetup because it's not necessarily a practice like you would have on your own or a concentrated full asana practice, but I'm calling it a meetup because we will move through some gentle asanas to release tension from the day, uh, from our lives, a little bit of breath work, but it's primarily a seated practice that we'll meditate together and participate in satsang. Satsang is the discussion, the, the dialogue, the back and forth of what's going on in our lives and how it relates to our spiritual practice, our spiritual understanding, and we'll finish with a 10-minute meditation. So it is not accessible to all because they all, it's accessible to those that are really interested in going deeper into your meditation practice, your sadhana, and to have a supportive container to meet up once a week to just be together and share in the triumphs and the trials of being a yogi in this world. So it starts December 5th. Uh, it's a sliding scale. Money is not an option if you are facing barriers to finances or employment please email me money should never stop anybody from receiving the benefits of yoga and meditation so uh drop me a note if you that's you and otherwise i'll put the link in the episode i would love 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 to have your presence your energy there all right so here are the five non-yoga habits that i've outlined that have skyrocketed my practice. Number one, I kind of already touched on it, you're probably not surprised, but it's prioritizing early to bed for eight hours of sleep. Okay, obvious, simple, not easy. Maybe waking up with the sunrise is a bit of a stretch for you, I get that. Okay, I just read this book, Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker, highly recommend. And it's so clear that getting to bed early and prioritizing eight hours of sleep, no matter what, literally, is the best thing I can do, you can do, we can all do for our practice, our overall well-being on all facets of life. I actually, after reading this book, I didn't realize how much I sacrificed my sleep to, for like so many reasons. So... In the last only four months, I've started to prioritize eight hours of sleep and it's shocking, night and day. Really, really night and day and highly recommend that book. And I know for some of you out there, it's impossible, <laughs> like hello new parents, but even just beginning to examine your sleep routines helps to get into the solution of how to get more. So ask yourself these simple questions which lead to simple solutions. What would my sleep bracket and life look like if, for example, I cut out screens an hour before bed more often than not? Like, just explore. Everything in this whole incarnation, in our whole life, is an experiment. So just experiment with what that would look like. That's my only invitation. All right, number one, done. Number two, joining or participating in an online spiritual community. This is huge for me. 
Our lives are so crazy. I mean, for me, and maybe some of you out there listening, you might travel a lot. Uh, you might be busy. I just find more and more our schedules, our calendars are so busy. It's hard to get to an in-person studio. It's hard to be regular in that way. For me, when I'm away from my satsang community in India, I'm like a fish out of water. I am like, I need community. I need connection, which is why I feel so blessed to be living in this digital age where we can zoom in and meditate and be in the company of other meditators like so often. Connecting to weekly online meditation satsang groups is so nourishing, it's comforting and supportive of giving energy for sadhana on the daily. And I want to really emphasize that this is different than doing a yoga class. Having a satsang or meditation community fosters a different kind of resilience for our daily practice because when we think about true sadhana it has so little to do with the physical part like think about your life when you're bedridden when you're in an accident when you're ill at those points we won't be able to practice the asana but we can practice meditation at any point. So finding the community that's supportive of cultivating and maintaining the practice of meditation and deep contemplative thought and discussion that elevates your awareness is pretty essential. So it's a non-yoga habit, but it's kind of a yoga habit. I guess it's like, like, it's a battery recharge to be in the community, even an online community of other people who are trying to uncover and reside within a peaceful state. And that doesn't even mean you have to be with yoga practitioners. It can mean being in company of, with people that are reflective of that, of peaceful company where you can talk to and discuss Swami G once said that you're better off as a deer in the forest dying of thirst than being in the company of those who don't love and appreciate you. And I take this as a reminder to constantly put myself in the company of those who not only appreciate and love me, but those who see me not only as Bobby, this individual I girl person with her conditions and her individual I, but those who reflect the great being I am inside. So again, this is my plug for my 10-week meetup starting on December 5th. Like I'm plugging it and I created it because it's something that I have found to be truly invaluable, not only to my yoga practice, but to my life in general. As we begin to live our yoga off the mat. So, and remember, what Shiv not said in season one, which I quote over and over and over again, it's an independent work, but we can't do it alone. That includes our yoga work and our life work and our therapy work and our physio work and all the work. We literally can't do it alone. Okay, number three, being of service. I had dropped a whole podcast episode on this because seva, as it is called in Sanskrit or Hindi, is 
selfless service and it's one of the values that I've identified for myself of what it means to live a purposeful life and it's so interconnected with my yoga sadhana practice. In many scriptures, it's an essential part of living a spiritual life in nearly all faith-based practices. And I don't know if anybody has watched the Dan Buettner, How to Live to Be a Hundred series on Netflix, highly recommend. But one of the pillars of all the blue zones, for those of you that don't know, the blue zones are regions around the world that have the most centenarians. And one pillar that all those communities around the world where people live to be past 100 is having a faith, a belief in something greater and a practice, a ritual to honor that. So when I think of being of service and the universal element that it has in all of those faith-based or in all of those blue zones, just such a reminder that Being of service is a spiritual act. Being of service is a human act. We naturally have to work to have our compassion, our empathy, our kindness towards our neighbor and our enemy. The being that is inside of us all, now this is... (laughs) This is, of course, I'm set out to start this podcast uh, for non-yoga habits, but everything comes back to some kind of a yogic philosophy. But I want to think about this when we're being of service, that the, the light that shines out of all of us, similarly to the sun that shines in the sky, shines out without prejudice, without preference it just shines so when you think of yourself the light inside of you like the light of the sun it's our responsibility to move through discomfort to share that same sense of oneness the same sense of service and appreciation and support to all beings without prejudice so um yeah So being of service is one of the simplest ways to practice the knowledge of oneness, to shine that unpreferential, don't know if that's a word, light out. And it's called practice because it takes practice. Sometimes we don't want to be of service. Sometimes we feel judgmental, which comes up instinctively or impulsively, which is why it's a practice. It's not about perfection. It's about practice. So it's about treating and serving others with that same energy that you treat and serve yourself. For me, this comes through my work with Tribe of Lambs. As some of you may know, the charity that I work with and for uh, supporting kids with HIV in India. And I'm going to plug something else right now that because December 1st is coming up and that's World AIDS Day. And for me, when I think of Seva in my life, it brings me so much joy to share free yoga on World AIDS Day and raise awareness for kids facing unbelievable discrimination in India. So this simple act of service is not just about yoga, but it's actually an opportunity to build community and advocate for equality and oneness. 
and also reflect on my position of privilege and how I can do more for those in need, not only those kids in India, but kids all around the world because that's a cause, that's a group that I have a deep uh, softness or attraction towards being of service to. And obviously in the world that we live in now, we have to be sensitive to, like I said, our positions of privilege, when we think of how we can serve, who we can serve, and when serving is appropriate, and possibly when allyship is appropriate, or donation, or anonymous support is appropriate. So ask yourself, in what ways do you serve selflessly or where can you add in small moments of service? Okay, the next one is a big one. I'm going to try not to talk so much about it, but it is consuming consciously. Believe it or not, where you spend your money and what you decide to put in or on your body and the bodies of others affects your yoga practice. At every point of consumption, we have a choice and that choice creates an impact. So I invite you to consider the three, these three areas in your life where you constantly vote with your dollar and impact yourself and the world around you, even if you can't directly see it. This way of thinking allows us to practice two fundamental principles of yoga. Ahimsa, which is non-harming, and a parigraha, which is non-greed. We consume less and we consume consciously. This equates to a cleaner, healthier, simpler environment to practice yoga in and to live in. AKA, your body is your temple. Don't adorn it with cheap shit. I did a whole podcast episode on this topic of how to live in peace. I'll plug it also. Uh, But here are some key points to consider when consuming consciously. Number one, food and alcohol. Is there a spiritual or moral way to kill or exploit an animal for dairy, milk, or eggs? I got this line from the new documentary that's coming out called Christspiracy. I'll also plug it. But ask yourself, where do my food choices negatively impact the planet or positively? Ask yourself about my your health. Do you know the cost to your body, to your cells, to your hormones with large volumes of alcohol? Yikes. Okay. We become what we eat. So that fear and pain an animal endures to pleasure our satiety and indulgent taste buds literally becomes our nervous system. In the yogic scriptures, it's said that our physical body is our food body. So just reflect on that. Remember, this is not about right or wrong. Like, I get it. If it makes you uncomfortable also to consider your impact as harming or greedful in the terms of food, it's okay to be uncomfortable. Like, I get it. I grew up eating animals all my life on my grandparents' cattle ranch. But once I started to consider my food choices on a spiritual and energetic level, my life and yoga practice skyrocketed with a plant-based diet. It's very... It didn't happen overnight, but it happened. All right, the other point I want you to consider for conscious consumption 
is important and timely as Black Friday is upon us. Let's seriously revisit the age-old principle of reduce, reuse, and recycle and how living that way will affect your spiritual practice. Buying less, use what you have, or buy secondhand. It may take some practice at first. Remember, it's not about perfection, but practice. But ask yourself what space you could create by recognizing and respecting the interconnectedness of all your choices. Keep returning to that principle of non-greed. What about prioritizing less stuff, quote unquote, in our lives and more space? Consider what that might mean for your home just to have less in your space. And if we're going to buy something, because of course we all need to buy things for ourselves and share with our loved ones often, think about giving experiences to loved ones and prioritizing quality time with those who you love and appreciate. And if you are going to buy new, do your research. This comes to our third point of consciously consuming that we have a chance to consume ethically this comes to you from years of working in the fashion industry i used to work as a wardrobe stylist and now i see so clearly as a consumer and as someone that loves fashion every choice we make has an impact if the option is to spend a hundred dollars on new boots that were made at the suffering and expense of another, whether it be an animal skin or a sweatshop conditions, perhaps considering sourcing your boots from a company that values people and the planet over profit and paying a few bucks more might be the spiritually, morally in alignment option. And if money is tight, I get it. Sometimes spending more isn't possible, But it's one of these things that I've noticed in my life. I live on, I live below the poverty line, like FYI. And yet I have everything that I need in life because I've decided to start shifting my life where I need less and I desire less. So then when I need something, I actually am able to research and purchase something if it needs to be purchased new that supports a company and the people in that company and the owners of that company that are in alignment with my values and my values are spiritual so it's really about buying and consuming in a spiritual way really check yourself and educate yourself on the impacts of fast fashion cheap electronics synthetic materials on your skin amazon waste and animal tested beauty products are you purchasing items that you need or are you feeding into the mass advertising and marketing illusions which contribute to that capitalistic society which is unequal unjust And sadly, where most of us in the global north are negatively impacting the majority of the world population and the planet negatively. Okay, I know it's a lot. And remember, no right or wrong, no perfection, just progress. Living consciously as a yogi means consuming consciously and participating in a thoughtful, kind, compassionate world. When we live as that on the yoga mat, 
it trickles out to benefit our lives. Look at the big picture. Ask yourself, where might my attachments to my life, my house, my clothes, my traditions, my taste bud, my car, my family, my dog, my friends, my, 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 me, me, me. Okay, is that creating more duality and separation in your life? And counteracting all your hard work on the yoga mat? It's, it's interesting to explore it. Remember, we're in an experiment. We're in a laboratory. That's what this whole life is for. Okay, number five. I thought I was going to talk less, but I'm talking a lot. So thanks for sticking it out. Number five. I love this one. Master the art of showing up. Full disclosure, this comes directly from another book that I read called Atomic Habits by James Clear. You've probably heard of it. It's super popular, but pow. It not only transformed my practice, but also working out, eating better, language learning. I'm currently trying to learn Swedish and Hindi at the same time. Also reading more and being more productive with work. The thing is, our lives are not compartmentalized. The way that we show up in one area of life is the way that we show up in all areas of life, all areas of our life. So when I started on my daily yoga sadhana journey in January 2020, it's almost four years, I was hardcore, like minimum two hours of practice a day. And like, obviously that's not sustainable. And I went through a real slump where I was down on myself for not leveling up like that which naturally made me unmotivated to show up at all. So once I started to apply the habit of just showing up for a few minutes of meditation, one round of Kapalabhati breathing or a few sun salutations, well, I felt good. And that, ha and that kept me in the habit of practicing daily and also practicing grace for what it means to show up more or less. There is a massive victory in committing to something as important of your, as your practice and being okay with it, even if it's only a few minutes in the morning. And similarly, with massive victory in committing to eating plant-based more, committing to getting more sleep, knowing that it's not perfect. Oh my gosh, we put so much pressure on ourselves. It's okay. It's honestly fine. Wherever you are is fine. The feel-good endorphins and serotonin of appreciating and accepting just the little victories of showing up. Like in the book, they give the example of going to the gym, putting your shoes on, and then leaving. And I love that because we can reflect it to rolling out the yoga mat and rolling it back up. If you're really trying to build a daily practice, just start with that roll at the back, but or just open up a book, read a sentence and close it, or walk around the block. I promise you those feel good, positive benefits of mastering the art of showing up will trickle out into all aspects of your life. So to recap, these five non-yoga habits that have not only skyrocketed my daily practice, but help me sustain it and live the principles in all my affairs. One, going to bed early and getting eight hours of sleep. Two, joining an online satsang or spiritual community. Three, being of service, 
Seva selfless service for consuming consciously food, alcohol, shopping, using the simple principles of non-harming and non-greed to guide your consumption choices and help you vote for the world you believe in with your precious time and money. And of course, number five, thank you, Atomic Habits, mastering the art of showing up. Forming habits and cultivating a daily yoga practice is hard work. It does not happen overnight. Choose consistency over perfection with everything, every time, because there is no chance we'll live up to our standards of perfection, which FYI, you could probably relate to this, that you and I hold ourselves to the highest of unreasonable standards, which we would never hold for another. So finally, it's good to remember that just because the yogi aim is to reunite with that universal consciousness and transcend all limitations of mind and body, it does not mean we don't take care of our bodies, our minds, our loved ones, our lives, our responsibilities on that relative field. It's quite the opposite. And when we're tuned into that source energy and the awareness of one thread of life pulsing through us all, we're more likely to live a reflective life that is supportive of peace, joy, and freedom on all levels. So let me know what you think, friends. Do you have any non-yoga habits that support your practice that I missed? Maybe it's therapy. That's actually a big one for me. I could do a, another episode on that or drinking more water or walking every day or giving a hug once a day. I don't know. Let me know what your thoughts are and I hope to see you and practice with you on Zoom in not real person but face to face and I appreciate your presence here in this little podcast project and as always please leave a review please share with your community help me get the podcast message out to other curious yogis who might benefit from this work so lots of love and appreciation good luck on your journey and stay connected Thanks for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed what you heard, please leave a review. It really helps the show reach more people. If you'd like to have your greatest spiritual questions answered on the show, send them to me through social or email. And don't forget to follow on your favorite streaming platforms. Let's stay curious, connected, and keep walking the path together. Music graciously offered by Heidi Herdaya Groschler. In oneness and delight, this is Bobby signing off until next time.